0: Hey folks, and welcome back to another episode of Get Wrecked, the only podcast anywhere in the world where two buds take turns recommending and reviewing some of their favorite pop culture hits, hidden gems, and oddities. I'm, of course, your host and resident silly boy Thor, joined today, as always, by my friend and co-host. He's an alligator. He's a mama papa coming for you. It's Micah. I get that reference. (laughs) (laughs) I get that
1: one. Whereas a week ago, you probably would not. Have. I would have had no idea, none. let's <laughs> like, what
0: talk about an alligator for? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I would not have, uh, wouldn't have gotten that a week ago. I've been listening to Bowie for the last week <laughs> or so, and I've even have had my students listen to it.
0: Oh, I'm excited to hear. Before we get into Bowie, though. Yeah. Micah, I have a problem.
1: What's the problem?
0: I drank a Bud Light the other day and now <gasps> I think I'm starting to transition. Are you a woman? <laughs> yeah, now? That's what's happening, right? Uh, They're putting chemicals in there there that uh make you transition I when you can't, drink Bud Lights. I can't
1: believe you would <laughs> stoop to those levels, Thor. <laughs> what would be your female name? What would what would you uh Do Oh my god, this is actually
0: horribly embarrassing. I can't believe I'm gonna put this <laughs> on so when I was a young boy, my sisters are six and eight years older than me. Okay. And I was an annoying little brother. And from what I've been told, I was a terror. Like I just would like jump on their backs and pull their hair and was just <laughs> a real, just a real brat. I was, I was a real prince. Sure, you know, I was. Sure. The, that's kind of how they viewed it. It was like, oh, he's the little prince and he can't do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. And, So they couldn't be mean to me. But what they could do was pretend like we were playing and having fun, and they were having fun, and so was I, but I didn't realize that I was the butt of a joke. They would dress me up like a girl and put me in a dress and high heels and put lipstick and makeup (laughs) on me, which should be criminal.
1: Yeah, I mean... You know, what's funny is that my older sister did that to me as well.
0: Maybe it's just something little sisters or big sisters do to little brothers. Yeah. But it's, ri- well, did your sister take pictures of you? Oh, Take that? blackmail pictures of you mm. and threaten to show your wife when you're in your goddamn <laughs> early 20s?
1: No, no, I don't think that I got that. Um, she dressed me up with Cabbage Patch doll clothing. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but no no threats. No threats on on being dressed like a woman. Yeah,
0: there I, are still like you remember regular pic like old school pictures when there was actually a physical thing. Oh yeah. Yeah, they still exist somewhere in some shoebox with the 2 dollar bills that my uncle gave us. There there's that a picture worth... of me dressed up as a girl in high heels that are oh and a dress goodness. that are way too big for so, me. I'm probably like 3 or 4.
1: So did they give you a name then? Yes. Oh boy. <sighs> okay. I mean, this is... I mean, oh, girl,
0: <laughs> Thorina, Thorina, not particularly creative, <laughs> but I swear to you for years when they wanted to get under my skin and pick on me, they'd be like, oh,
1: Thorina. It was traumatic. That sounds pretty awful.
0: I've been going to therapy for years because of it. Yeah. And then I drank a Bud Light, and now I got a lot of feelings, and I don't know <laughs> what to think. Uh, I've you... begun to transition, is what I'm trying to tell. Oh, you. Oh well, that's good. That, you know, good. Good for you, Thor. yeah. Thorina. God, I hate it so much.
1: <laughs> yeah, if uh, if I had a uh, a girl's name, I I mean Michelle is like the easiest transition, right? Yeah, from Micah to. Do you feel like a Michelle though? No. Okay. I don't. What,
0: what do you think? Cuz honestly, I don't think I would go
1: with the name Thorina. Oh, okay. No. Yeah, if I had to pick a name, um I've I've always really liked the name Emily. Maybe I'd go with the name Lorelai. That was a name that we were considering. <laughs> we were considering Lorelai for From the
0: Gilmore girls. <laughs> yeah, dude.
1: For um so we were considering Lorelai for our daughter's name. Um, but I looked up the meaning of it because I'm weird like that, and I, I, I'm still one of those people that goes, "Oh, what's the name mean?" Depending on the meaning, then yay or nay for the name. Sure, yeah. Um, so Lorelei means seductress. <laughs> so as soon, as soon as I read that, I'm like, Lorelai's out. Wait, you naming. didn't want her to be cool and have uh, a lot of friends? I, <laughs> I'm not saying good, good or healthy
0: friends. Yeah. I'm just saying a lot. Yeah, cool. A lot of friends
1: dead inside. These are the qualities that I want my daughter to have. Um, Jesus. So. But I mean, for me, like I could, I could handle that name. I wouldn't be. I've already lived 34 years. Yeah, you like are a, quite a seductress.
0: Yeah. if I'm being honest.
1: Yeah, there was that time that I seduced. Uh, McCrary in a geisha outfit. <laughs> that right? is true. Micah, is, we went, there was a
0: Halloween party. Micah went as a sexy geisha girl. Now our friend, friend of the show, Zach McCrary, you know, I'm from the comics that we love comic and beer pod, TFD Nerdcast. As we say, he has an empire every yeah. time we bring him up. So Zach's a little bit tipsy and all he sees is the back of a, Small geisha girl, and he immediately the antennas are up, and he's like, "Boys, I like what's going on over there." Yep. And so yep. he walks up to say hi to this beautiful geisha, and who is it?
1: But one of his best
0: friends. <laughs> <laughs> it's <Micah>. me. <laughs>
1: yeah, I saw him, and I started rubbing his chest because I knew that he was, I knew that he was inebriated because we were showing up to the party late. So started up, and I saw his. I was so weird seeing his (laughs) face change the way, because like he didn't recognize that it was me. So I'm like, this is this is odd. It's a a little. I mean, it's funny, but it's a little strange because he started at my toes, and then he's slowly eyeing me up (laughs) as his head is going up my body. (laughs) And, and, And he sees me, and then he sees me smile, and that's when it registers who I am. And he's, he just goes, we're going to talk about this later. And then he left. He, he didn't <laughs> talk to me for a good bit of the party.
0: You know, you saw the moment in a man's eyes when his penis shriveled.
1: I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You looked into his soul. <laughs> I, yeah, a little bit. A little bit. It was one of my highlights. I was going to go as a pirate. For the Halloween party, <laughs> I was gonna go as a pirate. As of a sexy standard, pirate lady. Well, well, no, just as like as a <laughs> as a pirate, like a standard pirate. So we're like, okay, we gotta we're going to this Halloween party, but I didn't plan on an outfit or anything like that. So we just opened up the um you know the the old bins to see what old costumes we had, and I dressed up like a pirate. And I looked at myself in the mirror and I thought, this is dumb. Like if I go to the party dressed up as a pirate. It's not going to get any reaction. It's not going to be anything other than, oh, hey, there's Micah.
0: Let me ask you a question. Hmm. Was Shania Twain's hit, I Man, I Feel Like a Woman, playing at the time when you <laughs> made this decision?
1: <laughs> I mean, maybe. Maybe. But I, I I, I remember looking into the bin and seeing the geisha outfit and thinking, that would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> And yeah. it was. Yep. I I was drinking Bud Light at the time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you saw the geisha outfit and you're like, I don't know why, but this feels right. There's a part of my soul I've never really felt like I could access, but now yep. it just seems right. It just seems right. You're a trans Asian woman. Yep. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of trans Asian women, let's talk about David Bowie. <laughs> <laughs> One and the same. That's what I've read. Pretty much. <laughs> hey, folks, make sure to stay up to date on all the latest episodes by following us at Get Wrecked Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Or if you have any recommendations you'd like to hear us review on the show, you can contact us directly by email. Or, I don't know, maybe you just want to send us some feed pics. You creep, I don't know what you're into. I don't care. We'll review those too. What do you think of that, huh? In any case, all your requests, feedback, and general criticism of the straight white patriarchy can be sent to getrekkedpod at gmail.com. That's G-I-T-R-E-C-D-P-O-D at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Alrighty guys, today we are discussing David Bowie and more specifically his fourth studio album from 1972, *The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars*. Basically, it's a loose concept album slash rock opera. It follows the journey of Ziggy Stardust, uh, an androgynous bisexual alien. Sent to Earth, because Earth has been given five years left till some cataclysmic event, and so Ziggy has been sent to save the Earth, but instead decides to become a rock star, and then essentially falls victim to his own fame and ego, and just ends up a washed-up rock star and doesn't save the world. That's pretty much the story in a nutshell. Micah, you're not a... uh, Bowie
1: fan, really? Not at don't all. Don't know a lot of his work. Yeah, I don't dislike him. Just unfamiliar with him.
0: Sure. So what were your thoughts on Ziggy Stardust? First
1: thoughts. Um, I had to listen to this probably three times before I could come to some sort of conclusion on if I liked it or not. Okay. Uh, I still am not 100% sure. So, so my first thoughts were... And this might sound sacrilegious to Bowie fans, but I was like, I don't, I don't see it. Like, I, I don't, I don't get the, um, the crazy love for Ziggy Stardust for David Bowie didn't really hit me. Okay. Uh, especially the, the five years song to me, that song in itself, um, wasn't particularly catchy. I just felt like the the lyrics or the the chorus was kind of repetitive and it went on and on. They do the uh, the hey Jude na 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 at the end of it, <laughs> sure, or yeah. they just like loop the the chorus again and again. Um, so my first thoughts were, eh, I'm not really feeling it. But again, Ooh, we got I, a butt. We got yeah. a butt. All right, I'm in. I I didn't. I also didn't hate it. And there were parts, there were like little snippets, little gems inside parts of songs. I'm like, okay, this is pretty cool. Like this, this one little part is pretty cool. And so I would go back to that one little part. I would go back to the song uh, with that one little part. And then today, this morning, I woke up with David Bowie stuck in my head. I've always got, I've always got tunes in my head playing around the clock. I woke up and five years was playing in my head as I was waking up. I feel like it grew on me the more I listened to it. I think that I'm coming to the conclusion that I did enjoy it. Okay. But, but um but it was a journey or it still is a journey. I'm still kind of still kind of figuring it out, but I'm I'm reaching the point where I'm like, yeah, you know, I think I do like this. I think I'm going to give it another listen. It's kind of it's kind of like eating a uh, a new food. And you think you like it, so you got to take another bite, but you're not sure. But you think you do. I've never been so slow to make a decision on an album before. I still don't know if I get it.
0: Like I said, this thing is a bit of a concept album slash rock opera. But it is a little bit... It's not exactly. So here's the story kind of how Ziggy Stardust came about. Okay. Is that what you mean you don't necessarily get, like, the story that's going on
1: there? Well, I don't—at least right now, I'm not sh- I'm not sure that I understand the mass appeal of David Bowie. Oh, okay. God. Right now. Just based on this album. Gotcha. It, not, th- not to say that I don't like it, because I think that I do. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm on board with it. But I'm not blown away. I'm not like, wow, this is—you know, I can— Listening to it, there's nothing that's hitting me immediately and making me go, I understand why this guy is as big as he is. I get that. And, I mean, this was his album that kind of propelled
0: him to fame. Okay. Because also, this was released 1972. Okay. And as far as kind of the era, this is kind of the first... I've heard it described as proto-punk or glam rock. Okay. This was the first album that ever really sounded like this okay that well that makes sense then um and and the way he kind of approached the whole thing it really kind of changed music it propelled him to fame and a lot of it was also this story is about ziggy stardust a rock star and his band the spiders from mars bowie was also kind of role-playing as ziggy stardust so when they him and his band would go play they played essentially as ziggy stardust and the spiders from mars they were essentially role-playing they were larping as these characters that's interesting so and and i think that was part of the appeal because you can look up the pictures of him obviously he has the crazy face paint yeah and they're all glitzy they have these glittery Crazy sci-fi, weird-looking clothes. It's kind of the beginning of glam rock. Okay. In uh, New York City, you had um the something dolls,
1: Goo Goo Dolls,
0: not the Goo Goo Dolls, the New York Dolls, I think is what. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But in in England, Bowie was kind of the really took off with that weird glam style. Okay. And they had came they were coming off of. The 60s, where it was a lot of psychedelic rock and really blues and R&B-inspired music. I mean, the Beatles, the Stones, Hendrix, Clapton, all these, like, very traditional, like, doing very different things. And the Beatles were starting to, at this point in time, that was kind of towards the end of their career. Okay, I'm pretty sure they had already broken up at this point. But everything was, like, hippies and psychedelic rock. And so Bowie is kind of took a lot of inspiration from *A Clockwork Orange* as far as the character, the look of the character. He hmm. said he took a lot of inspiration just from seeing the, the poster work, the okay. poster art for *A Clockwork Orange* before he had ever seen the movie.
1: That's in- that's interesting.
0: <laughs> so he started. They're performing as Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars, and they kind of got this cult following. And the whole story is about this guy, Ziggy, becoming a rock star and falling into the traps of rock stars. And the lines between reality and the character really blurred. And Bowie kind of also fell into that and just got more weird.
1: All right. So that makes sense then as to why this would be have the mass appeal. I think that's part of it. Me personally. Yeah.
0: I think every single song on this album is a perfect piece
1: of art. There are a lot of really good things on here.
0: Bowie has incredible weird metaphor lyrics that he uses. Mm-hmm. the chord progressions he does, but traditional rock and roll is a lot of three to five chords in in a song. yeah there's not the the last song on the album rock and roll suicide Mm -hmm. it changes chords it changes keys it does it it's almost an attempt at kind of a modern take on classical music in many cases the album as a whole kind of changed music it really inspired punk i i doubt the punk scene would have looked the same or came about in the same way if it wasn't for this album
1: really that's interesting and now is that because of everything that went with the album, like being in character and doing that type of stuff, or was it the style yeah, and of his, music? The style,
0: yeah. the, his physical style, the style of the music, and the fact that it was kind of dark. And the parts where it's rocking, it's a different kind of rock and roll. Yeah, I think I may have described. I told you, oh, this is just a rock and roll album. That's yeah. really not true. This is kind of the, like the song "Suffragette City" yeah. or. Hang on to yourself. It ain't easy. All those are like rockin' songs. Yeah, but it's a lot of like power chords and really, really kind of like the predecessors to the punk music to gotcha. like the punk movement. Okay. As far as stylistically, kind of the way those heavier riffs sound.
1: Hmm. I mean, I hadn't heard anything like this before. Some of, some of it. And maybe the reason that I didn't care for five years at first. Now I'll say that I like the song. I woke up with it in my head and I've been singing five years just again and again and again all day. That's all I've been doing. I can see that. Yeah. Um, I was listening to it on the way here. <laughs> and But he kind of does this sing song type of style where he's kind of singing, but also kind of not. He's just kind of orating the, yeah. the verse going on and And, and
0: then he gets to these parts where he's almost like he's singing but it sounds like he's in anguish
1: yeah yeah it definitely sounded unique um i don't know the song these songs that really jumped out to me "Starman," i thought was uh, probably my favorite song on the album
0: that was the single that was the big breakout hit from the album Yeah. yeah as far as pop charts and whatnot
1: yeah and that i think that that's that one and It Ain't Easy are probably the two that I was vaguely familiar with. Okay. Not knowing that it was David Bowie. Could you follow the storyline at all, or did you... Uh, not fully, no. like I, I pulled out the lyrics, and I listened to the first three songs while reading the lyrics, but I didn't have time to do that with, with sure. the rest of them. And
0: that's fine. I listened to this album for probably a year before I even realized it was supposed to be like, I got like, Oh, it's about Ziggy stardust. But like, I didn't ever care to really, I had to look it up and really kind of look into it. So I'll give you a brief run through of the story based on the song. So So the album opens on five years yeah where essentially, and, and the thing about this story is once again, it's a loose concept album. I, as I was researching, I saw somebody describe it and I think this is perfect. It's more of a collage. Okay all based around one story, and each song is kind of a snapshot. And most of them are from different perspectives. It's not all one character telling the story.
1: Okay, So So it's it's
0: basically like different snapshots of the story from different perspectives collaged together into a thing.
1: It sounds like world building.
0: Well, and here's the thing. Uh, Bowie had just finished recording his third album, Hunky Dory. And literally immediately after, basically immediately after recording that album him and the band were like these songs are really unique and interesting but there was a lot of orchestration and things they were like we don't think we can do this live so then they had a bunch of other songs Mm -hmm. that they thought they could play live or could do a better version to make a live show out of so they recorded them and then changed the words to kind of fit this narrative. Gotcha. So it's not one long, complete narrative that's fully makes sense in that context because it wasn't written that way. It, most of these songs were initially just written to be good rock and roll songs. Okay. And so, then he kind of came up with the idea as they were getting ready to record yeah. and all the pieces fall in place. So with that, the album takes, starts off on five years. Uh, essentially this is from the perspective of a young man the news had just came over the earth was gonna die in five years it doesn't say what this is maybe it's a meteor or something but the world's gonna end in five years and it kind of looks at how the world is reacting to that the next song is soul love that's now the aftermath everybody knows there's only five years left to live it's kind of dealing with people living in this reality now and kind of reevaluating love and would, talking about love stories that are going on in there
1: with with the five years thing, I was. It made me wonder what Earth would be like if the world knew that there was only five years yeah, left. Yeah, got five years left. Yeah, like how chaotic I think Earth would be.
0: Yeah, that's kind of, that's what five years, all the all the stuff he's talking about is, yeah. he's walking down the street and he sees just this woman just beating her children because she's just out of her mind and she, they're crying and so she's just hitting them. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, the one line I love is, a cop knelt and kissed the feet of a priest and the queer threw up at the sight of that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I thought that was a clever line.
0: And that's very much kind of a, addressing the, this concept of like, the like power structures and sure. how the gay guy who's been oppressed by the police and the catholic ch- and the church how he sees that and it disgusts him and it's like power serving power and obviously the world ends and this is what you're thinking about yeah there's a lot in there um so so then soul love once again that's just kind of about the world in the after right aftermath of hearing about this uh the next one is moon age daydream and that's this one's funny this is where this is essentially your introduction to Ziggy. Yeah. Not necessarily from, it's kind of from his perspective, just that's like our introduction to Ziggy. Okay. Where, you know, I'm an alligator. Yeah. I'm a mama papa coming for you. Essentially saying like, I'm an alligator. I'm a predator. I'm a mama papa. He's androgynous. He's non-binary. He's not really a girl or a boy. Uh, he's a space invader. And then here's a the fun part. I, while I was looking this up, I found out. He says, uh, I'm a space invader. I'll be a rock and roll bitch for you. Uh, keep your mouth shut. You're squawking like a pink monkey bird. <laughs> Which apparently, according to what I read, yeah, uh, a pink monkey bird is essentially like a derogatory term for a gay man having anal sex. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> i i guess. I don't know how true that is, but what I was reading said that's like a reference to like wow. gay sex. I've never heard of being that a monkey bird, life. I guess. Oh, you old monkey bed. I guess that <laughs> that was like how you would call somebody gay in the sixties. Interesting. Yeah, so Moon Age Daydream is kind of introducing the audience to Ziggy. Okay. Next is Starman, and mm-hmm. that's from the perspective of this teenager listening to the radio. And over the radio, there's this voice that comes and says, essentially, uh, I'm Ziggy Stardust. I'm here. To, I'm coming to save the world. Yeah. From this impending disaster. In an easy, that one honestly is, I don't really think that really plays much into the narrative.
1: <laughs> is it Ziggy Stardust immediately realizing that it's not an easy job saving the world?
0: It could be. Yeah. Maybe. Perhaps. Maybe that is what it's meant to represent. Yeah. Uh, the next one is Lady Stardust, and so that is actually, that that once again is getting into like kind of the androgyny of him. That That's a very like sweet and almost melancholy song mm-hmm. where it's kind of talking about the good times, but it's Lady Stardust is Ziggy Stardust. Gotcha. That's him playing the role of a woman- <laughs> The, the character that Bowie is playing, Ziggy Stardust, that's Ziggy playing the role of a woman, Lady Stardust. <laughs> and it's kind of talking just him and the band, the, Ziggy and the band hanging out. Those are the good times.
1: Gotcha. I'm the dude playing the girl then, disguised as another dude. <laughs> yeah. That-
0: then, then you go to Star, and Star is was originally named Rock and Roll Star. And that one is about trying to become a rock and roll star and about how hard that is and, you know, I could do with the money. I'd like the money. I'd like the fame. And at this point, this is Bowie's fourth album. He had spent the last couple years just really struggling and just wasn't having success. So this one seems almost like autobiographical as well.
1: Gotcha. So so prior to this, he wasn't. He didn't. He hadn't reached. Stardom he had one yet? hit,
0: uh, "Space Oddity." Okay. "Ground Control to Major Tom." Okay. That was his one hit. Okay. And then it had been a couple years. That was 1968, I okay. believe. Okay. Next one is hang on to yourself. Once again, this one feels like just a classic rock song Mm -hmm. and very much kind of seems like, okay, now things are picking up and now it's like, you got to stay in control of yourself and not lose it all. Next is Ziggy stardust. And that's kind of told from the perspective of the spiders. And that's talking about his ego essentially and how he got too big for himself and got sucked up in the fame and his ego so the kids decided, like the band decided, we need to uh, break his hands because he, so he can't play guitar anymore. <laughs> okay. Next is Suffragette City. At this point, Ziggy, the band is over, the fame ride is done, mm-hmm. and now he's essentially shacked up with a woman who is, won't let him hang out with the boys, and now she kind of is controlling him.
1: Oh my gosh, okay.
0: Um, that's kind of the suffragette city is kind of the fact that suffragette is kind of a like tongue in cheek, not at like this concept that a man with a woman who's a feminist now she has given, he's given her the power so that that power dynamic always has to exist. Right. Gotcha. And once again, that one doesn't, that one feels like it was probably already written and really only kind of like loose, like they probably changed a couple things to make it feel like it fits in the narrative. Sure. And then the last song is Rock and and Roll Suicide, which is obviously Bowie or Ziggy accepting his fate that he failed as a rock star. And he failed all the people he was supposed to come save. And essentially it's like him coming to grips with that and essentially apologizing to the people. You know, just give me your hands because you're wonderful. Like, thank you for all the adoration and everything you gave me. That's an interesting that's an interesting uh so from what I read I read a couple different people's interpretations. Okay. So that 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 was my interpretation based on other people who wrote out what they thought the song's meant. Sure. And what I've listened to and what I kind of take from them. Okay. Now if that's 100% accurate, I who could say? And there probably isn't a right answer because once again, most of these songs were written already and then they changed them to make them fit this narrative. So who can say exactly?
1: Sure. And probably some of them are left ambiguous purposefully.
0: Yeah. Bowie, like I said, I love Bowie's writing. It's so, he uses these weird metaphors that I don't think you could necessarily just explain in a way that makes sense, but somehow you just get them. You get what he's saying without really getting what he's
1: saying. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's yeah this is interesting so so then with ziggy stardust i feel i kind of feel like he failed on two levels then okay now now i'm just talking about the lore here uh not about the music but if he's how's how's ziggy stardust gonna save the world was it through music was that the plan is this who could say well i feel like he should say how or at least have the idea <laughs> Because I'm just thinking about it on my end, right? If there's a... Well, you don't
0: know what was going to end the world either.
1: Well, I I guess, yeah. Okay, so here's... If some hermaphroditic alien came to Earth and was like, I'm going to save the world, and then puts out a rock album, (laughs) I'm going to be like, I thought you were saving the world. Yeah,
0: but he's too busy getting paid all kinds of money and getting fame and just blowing lines of
1: cocaine like nobody's business (laughs) i i guess i just (coughs) i feel like i don't that's just where i would be at i'd be like okay ziggy stardust what about the whole world saving thing i see that you're i'm like i've got i've got tickets tickets to your show
0: he's like i'll get to it but first yeah let me do a line of blow off this (laughs) hooker's ass and then strum a couple chords and I'll get back to it. Yeah. So That's so, basically the story. That's basically what happened. He was supposed to come save the world and he's like, Yeah, but being a rock and roll, star seems way cooler. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so
1: so that's why I think he failed on two levels, because he shows up I'm going to save the world. Okay, so you're saying Ziggy himself, yeah. the character. Failed. Correct. Yeah, okay, yeah, not not the music or not David I, Bowie. I thought you
0: meant like the narrative. You're like, the narrative fails. I'm like, <laughs> oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I got no. you. Okay, yeah, I'm, I meant, I'm following.
1: Yeah, Ziggy started. And then and then it seems it's the rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust. So he reaches the top and then goes all the way to the bottom. And now, like, is he still supposed to save the world? Or is that just done? Is he... Is he you know, over that and is now is he gonna die with everybody else.
0: Yeah, I think he just ran out of time and so now it's just that that's my interpretation of it. Gotcha.
1: That's Anyways. an interesting that's an interesting one. It reminds me a lot of the video game Fable Three. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, and the only reason it's not a great game. I mean, it's kind of a cool game. It's an okay game. Fable's an okay game. Fable three. Fable one's great. Fable three is all about there's this impending doom coming to the kingdom or to the world or whatever. And you are a prince who basically has been kicked out of the castle by your elder brother who is now king. And so you lead a rebellion against the evil king, your brother, so that you can take over the kingdom and be a great king because he is an awful king. And then once you do that, the idea about the video game was that all of these games end when you are at your most powerful. Like you've... Reached your highest that you can go, and then the game ends.
0: Yeah, most games do that, I would think.
1: So, the philosophy behind Fable 3 was what happens after that? What happens after you achieve everything that you wanted to achieve? And they played it off as well, how would you, in this case, how would you rule? How would you use that power? So, when you take over as king, you realize that your brother was being a horrible king not paying people, taxing people like crazy, doing all of that because there is an impending doom that was foretold that is going to show up at a very specific point in time in the future. And so he's preparing for that. It's a um, ends justify the means type of situation. That's a pretty cool concept. Yeah. So then your job, now that you're king and now that you've been given this information, is what do you do? Because as you're as you're going through the um, through the ranks and re- leading this rebellion, you're making promises to other kingdoms or other cities, towns, that like once I become king, I'm signing this treaty or signing this document saying that I'm going to help you out in some way. And so when you become king, now they're all coming to you. They're like, hey, you signed this document saying you were going to help us out. And you can either say, okay, I'm a man of my word or a woman of my word um, or a... Alien of my word, <laughs> <laughs> bisexual, yeah.
0: non-binary alien. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: or you can say, "I'm king now. Get out of here!" All right, because it never benefits you to follow through with your with your promises in the game. It never benefits you. It it actually puts you at a detriment. So you have to make the decision: Do you follow through, and basically make the second half of the game really, really tough? Because eventually that impending doom does show up, and if you're not prepared for it because you've given all of your money and resources to all of these other kingdoms, like you said you would, then the game ends and you lose.
0: Ha <laughs> ha! That's pretty cool. Yeah.
1: So that's why it reminds me of of uh, Fable Three. Yeah. I feel like he. Yeah, comes it sounds in... like
0: they ripped the story right out of Ziggy Stardust. Yeah, that's there what I figured. Hacks. That's what I figured. <laughs> <laughs> um.
1: Yeah, this uh this was an interesting one, Thor. This was an interesting one. I I do think that Starman was probably my favorite. It ain't easy I think was probably my second.
0: That's a great that's a great tune. Yeah. Would it change your opinion or of this album at all? A number of these songs. Cuz once again part of the reason they wanted to record this is they wanted something they could take and tour. A lot of these songs were recorded live. Like not in front oh, of a student, not in front of a live studio audience. Yeah, but you know what I mean. They typically a music recording. You might okay, you lay down the drum track, then I'll lay down the guitar track, and mm-hmm. then I'll go and do the vocals.
1: Yeah, so they can isolate those different parts and exactly. the tracks. And... A lot of
0: these songs were played live, so all of them playing at the same time. Okay, so played live, as well as a number of them in one or two takes.
1: Oh wow, that's impressive. That's very Bowie impressive. was a fucking weirdo,
0: <laughs> but he when it came to the music, when it came to the work, he worked and was deadly serious about it. I mean that's super
1: impressive to to hear that, and also once again, they had just recorded an album, yeah, that's so how long did how long did it take for them to finish this album? Do you know how long they were in the studio for for this one? All right, let's see. Because it sounds like, you know, they had put a lot of time and effort into album number three. And then after they did that, they were like, oh, you know what? We had this like this would be fine, but we can't really go on tour with this. So it sounds like they were of the mindset to knock out another album real quick so that they could use that one on tour.
0: Yeah, uh, it was recorded from November of 1971 till February of 1972
1: wow so that was just a couple months yeah that's real quick
0: yeah on top of having just recorded a whole yeah. album
1: that's real quick that's pretty yeah. impressive
0: and bowie once again this is just one album i think this is his most important album because this is the one that really set his trajectory but he went on to record for forever till his last album came out in 2017 he never stopped recording, and he changed genres. That's so wild. He changed his different personalities, like his diff- Like for a while after, because after Ziggy Stardust, his next album was Aladdin Sane.
1: Okay. And was it a similar thing where he took on a moniker? Or? Yeah,
0: and his kind of concept of that was it's Ziggy after Ziggy went to America, <laughs> and then okay. he started. So, and this is once again he, the whole Ziggy persona kind of started to consume him. So he became a lost in himself because he was like, he said, I was introverted. And so when I was Ziggy, I got to be this person that I wanted to be. And it was fun and it was crazy. So he kind of lost himself in that character and couldn't really tell the difference between where David begins and and there and, and david ends yeah, yeah. like he d- he couldn't and so in aladdin sane there was a character called the white duke okay i guess and at this point he is pretty heavy into cocaine there's a funny story okay. i like I, I found while i was reading about this so this is the mid 70s he's at the height of his fame just doing all the cocaine and he spent basically a year this was shortly before he uh went into rehab with iggy pop where he got clean and then him and iggy pop got clean around the same time okay and recorded albums but shortly before that he had spent about a year where his diet consisted entirely of red peppers milk cocaine and cigarettes (laughs) <laughs> for like a year straight, he only ate red peppers and drank milk. What? Because <laughs> he was so, he was like so strung
1: out on coke that like for whatever reason. That's... Oh my gosh. He had to have looked. He was so, insane. He had to have looked so emaciated.
0: Dude. Yeah. You look at those pictures of him in the seventies and I mean, he was just naturally a very androgynous guy. Yeah. Like he kind of has these very feminine features and I'm sure it doesn't help that he's a small, thin frame uh, gentleman.
1: Yeah, but even just that's just wild. Peppers and milk. What a weird combination. Yeah, it was basically, basically basically fully went insane. <laughs> Jeez. So if that's the case, then would would he go to I don't know any um, anything that he did to promote his music? I don't know if you would go on TV shows or anything like that. Would they introduce him as Ziggy Stardust or would they introduce him as David no, Bowie? No, he was
0: David Bowie. But when he would perform and the shows, when he would go to do shows, it was billed as David Bowie. Hmm. But for him and the band, yeah, they were role playing Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. So, okay, you want to hear? So, Bowie, once again, he was struggling uh, for the. Th- you know, for a number of years before this album came out. Mm -hmm. And he kind of started in almost like the folk psychedelic. Okay. That's interesting. Kind of spot. And he started getting into a lot of different types of art and he studied with this lady. She was a avant-garde performer. She taught at like some school. And so he studied things like mime and, comedy or some shit like some weird probably some weird comedy yeah thing like some classical comedy thing and started studying like avant-garde and performance and that's why he was super into like role-playing and stuff like. interesting that. so before i'm not sure exactly what point is mid-60s though and he had befriended uh the band t-rex which is like a, nine, a '60s psychedelic rock band never heard of them You probably wouldn't enjoy it, (laughs) honestly. (laughs) I mean, I've listened to a couple. It's fine. That's another one of those. It's kind of like a cult band. People fucking love T-Rex. Gotcha. not necessarily my cup of tea in any case. So Bowie was touring with them as the third act. So I guess there's T-Rex, another band, and then Bowie. And then Bowie. But Bowie was performing as a mime. So he would go on and do a mime show.
1: I swear, I swear to God, dude. Wait, was he the closing act?
0: I don't know if he closed or not.
1: Could you imagine? I can't.
0: There's no way they closed on the mime.
1: But yeah. Could you imagine going to a rock concert? Be like, oh man, David Bowie's gonna be here, and he just comes out. With uh, well, and this is
0: before he was known.
1: Oh my gosh, that's it. it may have been
0: after Space Oddity, so. Okay. But even Space Oddity was like a hit for him but it wasn't it didn't propel him to mega fame or anything. It was just a one at that point he was a one-hit one wonder. wonder. And this whole him doing a mime at the T-Rex shows, I don't know if that was before or after.
1: That's I mean that's kind of hysterical. It's so weird to he's a fucking weirdo. <laughs> That's, that's probably
0: part of the reason I like him so much. Well, sure. I, mo- I think, honestly, that's part of the reason he has such a huge following and people who love him because the, whole, the cult of Bowie is greater than the man himself. And I, lo- I love his music mm-hmm. and I love his lyrics and I love the way he writes songs because they almost have this... Every song feels like it's telling a story in his own very uniquely crafted way. And he uses these chord progressions that are... They're not jazz. They're not classical. They're not rock. They're somewhere just in between that. These weird chord progressions and changes where he'll play six different chords in a row. Hmm. He And, and I, I think it's great. But I think... I don't know how much people would love him. I forget what point I was making. I think it was this. I don't know how much... i I don't know if just simply being a great musician would propel him to the heights of love that people have, it was a cult of personality. That's, that's a, what it sounds that's like. That's a big part of that.
1: Okay. Okay. Well that, that makes sense then. And that to me uh, kind of tells me why I was like, I don't, I'm just not seeing it. Cause you know, I don't have any of this context I'm just listening to listening to this album and only looking at the, you know, the jacket cover. Yeah.
0: I still, I love this album though. I I think it deserves all the credit for this album. Would it surprise you to find out that this album has been ranked among, on multiple different lists, like one of the best albums of the 20th century, like top 10?
1: Yes. That is weird to me. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I top think 10? part of it,
0: I yeah, I think part of it is the historical significance of it. Because it's impossible to take that out. You do, I mean. Yeah. How do you feel about but that? also, I think it's just so well, it's so well crafted. And the, every song is unique. And every song, once again, I even if you take out the rock opera, the concept, the, whatever, I think each
1: song is its own unique story. I think, sure, yeah. Um, I think that it's, it's not bad. Uh it's not bad music. I like the music. But I it sounds like to me hearing everything that you're talking about with Zo- uh with Ziggy Stardust um it makes a lot more sense as to why this album would have the fame that it does. And I think that all of that is very very cool and very very neat. It makes me like David Bowie as a character more than the music that David Bowie makes. Sure, at yeah. least at least in this case. I haven't heard anything else that he's done. I don't know how I feel about that in general. Like when when the story behind the product, I'll use product in this term. Sure. Is the reason that it's so famous now. An art parallel would be the Mona Lisa. Right? If you've seen that in real life, eh not all it's cracked up to be right but the historical significance of it is what has basically made it ride the most famous painting in the world train for you know eons but the painting itself I don't think it's that great right and I kind of I don't know there's a little bit of me that that gets bugged by that I don't know how do you feel about something that is is like a pioneer in its field. It sounds like this album is is one of those. Yeah, 100%. Changed music. Do you think that other things have come out since then that have done this but done it better? Like take away all of all of the uh, the extra stuff beyond the music and judging the album solely on the music itself. I I don't know if I can
0: once again, I love this album. Yeah. Like before, and before I even really knew about Bowie like I got this album when I was probably 18 or 19 yeah and I knew the name Bowie and somebody was like you should listen to the Ziggy Stardust album like okay okay and I went down to a CD store I bought a CD of this gotcha and I fell in love with it without knowing that. without knowing any of
1: that knowing any
0: of that I am also very partial to like 60s and 70s music Yeah. So perhaps that's part of it. And with music, I think it's tough to say better or worse. I don't, I would say there are people who've done equally as cool things.
1: Maybe evolved, (laughs) um, taken taken the the idea. Kind of like what you were saying in episodes earlier with Lord of the Rings, how Tolkien basically invented the modern fantasy genre, but... You feel like other people have done it better now sure. that yeah, now that exactly. it's been out. You know, yeah. is is there something akin to that for this album, or like the old master painters in Renaissance time were great. They're great, but the stuff that took them months to do, we can do now digitally in hours. You know, now,
0: I don't know if we can take the history out. I don't know if we should, honestly, because what is what does it
1: mean to be human? You know? I. I'm not saying that we should totally negate all of the historical significance of everything that went on behind this album. I'm just saying I'm looking at it now and I'm thinking the music's fine. Okay. But the story behind it's better. And so I'm I'm wondering if this I don't I don't know what I'm trying to say. Is the music on its own does, can it stand on its own without the history behind it?
0: For me, yes. Yeah. I could see somebody saying no though, too.
1: Okay.
0: You know, you know like I I I get that. I feel like I had
1: an epiphany right now. You just now had an epiphany? No,
0: just not not just now. Oh. I thought about this the other day okay. cuz I kind of felt like I was like I think Mike might just fucking hate this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and All right. I realized. So, I think you feel the way about about music kind of the way I feel about movies in the sense that I feel like there are a lot of older movies Mhm. That you really enjoy and have a lot of appreciation for. And for me, it's not something I ever really got into. So now as an adult, I can watch them and appreciate them, but I generally am usually not big of a fan. The Godfather being an exception. Okay. But oftentimes if I see an older movie, I just it just doesn't really do it for me.
1: Okay. Yeah, it doesn't click, doesn't register. Yeah. Are you do you feel the
0: same way about music? Like older Cause, music? Cause I'm, yeah, because I've noticed a lot of times when I bring up music from like the sixties or seventies, you're like, well, it's not Toto. So <laughs> <laughs> do you kind of have that that same thing going
1: on? Um maybe, maybe. There are and maybe it's that I didn't grow up with a lot of this. So uh like my dad was a he was a rocker back in his day. He would tour in a band up and down the east coast. But mm-hmm. so he he was very and still is very, very into music. Um, so I grew up listening to what he listened to. And then eventually I kind of found my own stuff, but he didn't listen to Bowie. He didn't, at least not with me around. He didn't listen to the Rolling Stones. Um, so I didn't really grow up with that era of music around yeah. at all. He listened to the Beatles. Uh, he listened to Eric Clapton, but then he listened to like Jaco Pastorius, uh, the crazy bass player. Oh yeah. You Dude, know, what a
0: sad story, right? Yeah. <laughs>
1: what a sad story. Um, or, or he would listen to Bela Fleck and the Fleck Tones. Um, Bela Fleck's like one of the best banjo players in the world. Fuck their
0: music. All, all of them.
1: Yeah. That whole band. Dude. I went to go see Victor Wooten with my father. Victor Wooten's another bass player. If you don't know, um, the dude is an amazing funk bass player. Like absolutely. I, it was akin and I kid you not. It was akin to going to see passion of the Christ for music. Not to, like, throw Wooten to that pedestal. I get exactly what you're saying.
0: I watched a DVD of Bela Fleck and the Flecktones when I was in high school, and my mind was changed. Like, my mind was blown. My balls were blown off. (laughs) My soul was changed at its core. Yeah. Knowing that that exists within people. Because all of them, it's Bela Fleck and Victor Wooten's on the bass, and then there's the guy who plays this weird... He, he like does the key- percussion, and it's like a keytar. Yeah, that he, ter- like, he made his own instrument. Yeah, it's like a drum machine keytar made out of trash. Yeah,
1: is that Future Man? Is that who- yes? Yeah.
0: And then there's the guy who plays the horns. He does like clarinet, and at one point in the video, he's playing two saxophones at once. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Truly, four of the best musicians on the planet. Yeah, <laughs> Bayle Fleck is insane.
1: Yeah, so so that's the music that I. Really grew up with that and Toto. Toto was, you know, every other day type of thing. Maybe it's that. Maybe I don't have the love for that era of music because it it never really, at least I don't remember hearing it. That's not what, like, stuck with me. Yeah, I'm curious. Pat Metheny, that was another one that we listened to quite a bit. I don't know. A lot of, that whole, era, that whole genre era of music has never been something that's been interesting to me. Micah, you hate hippies, don't you? Not. Necessarily. But I also don't think very highly of them either. <laughs> They're kind of middle of the road for me. <laughs> no, hippies stink.
0: <laughs> Literally and figuratively. <laughs> yeah. Um
1: they
0: fucking suck. They were like, we're gonna change the world, and then they all just like got addicted to drugs and didn't change anything. Fuck. <laughs> Losers. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it was just a I don't know, it's an interesting movement. Um, that whole part of history was an interesting time and era, but um I've never really been able to look at that and go, man, that's a really, really yeah. like cool part of our past as a as a country or as a I don't know. It's just never really bonded with me as a person. Interesting. Yeah. So maybe maybe I'm that way with music. I don't know. I really I really got into, like, Billy Joel, uh, Ben Folds, that type of piano music. Ooh, what do you think about the keyboard playing on this? The
0: the piano on this? I think it's good. I think the music's good. So, fun fact. Yeah? The guy who plays piano on this album. Um, Goddamn. Uh, I can't find his name off the top of my
1: head. If you tell me that it's Billy Joel. It's not Billy Joel. Okay.
0: Are you familiar with a bandy? Yes. Uh-huh. They do roundabouts. They're their big hit. Yeah. So, the guy who plays piano on this, uh, after the recordings, Bowie really liked him and was like, hey, would you like to stick around and be, become a full member of the band and tour with us? And he actually turned down to go join Yes. Interesting. This is the keyboard player for Yes, huh? Who is probably one of the greatest keyboard players of all time. Yeah, that's very interesting. And I, God damn it, I wish I had his name ready i should have wrote it down
1: (laughs) yeah um this was an interesting one thor i i don't know how i feel about it i think that i liked it it's a bisexual alien
0: making rock and roll music and becoming a superstar and then falling down i mean it makes sense that you're conflicted
1: (laughs) i really am conflicted (laughs) I really, I feel like I've just watched Rocky Horror Picture Show. That's kind of...
0: Yeah, I'd be willing to bet that the Rocky Horror Picture Show probably took a lot of inspiration from this era of music mm-hmm. and this kind of genre. Because once again, Bowie wasn't the only one doing the glam rock thing. Yeah. He, he was the one who kind of really made it big. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure Rocky Horror definitely took some inspiration from Bowie.
1: Yeah, I was real conflicted about Rocky Horror as well. I get that. Yeah. Um, Ashley did not care for it. Bolton showed that to us, IMDZ. He loves that one. He loves Tim Curry. I think Tim Curry's kind of cool.
0: Tim Curry is very cool.
1: Yeah. Um, It's about that time, Thor, where we, where we make a decision. Okay. Make a rating.
0: All right, Micah. On a scale of 1 to 10 years left for the planet oh man actually nah i don't like it one to ten bisexual androgynous aliens that's that's better i think yeah um <laughs> <laughs> how could it be anything else really right.
1: i'm gonna give this a seven and i think that it's gonna be an eight with time okay yeah I that's think higher
0: it- than i expected.
1: Yeah, I was debating 6, but I I think I think I'm at 7. Cuz the music there's something I listen to this And
0: how much I feel did like, you listen to Rock and Roll Suicide?
1: How much? Yeah,
0: how many times?
1: Maybe twice. Do you love it? It's pretty good. Okay. <laughs> it's pretty good.
0: Okay. You didn't name it as one of the ones you really It liked. didn't
1: jump out to me. Oh man, listen to it again. Just okay. really, listen, just to really listen to it. Just really listen to it? Just really listen to it. Okay. And and you know what? Probably probably I will love it. I I find that I really sink into music when I can experience everything. I like look at the lyrics and just really consume all of it together. Okay. Um that does a lot for me. Uh did you notice that in this album? Is this Ziggy Stardust, I'm guessing? In, on like the jacket cover of the album?
0: uh, The jacket cover is a picture of him in front of the recording studio.
1: Of David Bowie in front of the... K- yeah. What does K-West stand for?
0: I'm not sure.
1: It's not I, Kanye, right? I I know that that can't be because it's <laughs> way before Kanye's time. Dude, you don't know Kanye be traveling time and shit. That's true. He might be.
0: Uh Yeah, I think that's just the name of the recording studio. K-West? Because okay. that's essentially an actual photo of him outside of the recording studio, and then they did they did art stuff sure. where they I don't know what they call they did something to make it look it looks almost animated, but that's just an actual photograph.
1: I see. Okay. Um. Yeah, we're going with seven. Okay, we're going with seven because I I. As much as I keep saying I'm conflicted about it, I keep going back to it. Like, I kept going back to the album. Yeah. Which tells me that there's something there. Um, and I'm going to keep going back to it, probably for the next week. Yeah, the there day. are a
0: couple of parts. You got to listen to Soul Love and really listen to that saxophone solo.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. And
0: all the gu- the guitar solos. This I got to shout out. What was the name of this goddamn gentleman? <laughs> what was this <laughs> What was his
1: name? I kind of love using those words together. <laughs> look, look at this goddamn gentleman.
0: There we go. The The guy who plays guitar, Mick Ronson, mm-hmm. his guitar work is like understated. He's not, you're not saying, oh, it's Jimi Hendrix or it's Clapton, the greatest guitar player I've ever heard. Yeah. But what he does with that guitar he has this style that it's almost like vocal. It's almost like a person singing hmm. the way his guitar leads. He plays are not once again, they're not blow your hair back crazy. How does he do it? It's more so he gets these tones and sounds out of the guitar. That sounds like somebody singing to you. That's cool. and it just sets the mood. I'm sorry. I could go on. About, I true <laughs> I truly, I love this album. I I'm glad you, Seven out of 10, I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take it.
1: I think that might be the highest music you've ever given me.
0: Seven out of 10 androgynous bisexual alien rock stars. Yeah. (laughs)
1: How, so how would this compare to, are are there any other albums that, you know, if, if, cause you're saying Zoe has spanned Zoe, David Bowie. I just like (laughs) put Ziggy Stardust and David Bowie. Are you getting
0: him mixed up with Bowie Deschanel?
1: Yes. (laughs) Beautiful eyes. Um, yeah, Ziggy Stardust, fucking David Bowie. Whoever this guy is, you said that he did a lot of music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that spanned a lot of different genres. Yeah. So, if we like this one, are there any other albums that you like if you like, you know, Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars, you might also like uh, you know, is there a like a Netflix recommendation style that you can think of off the top of your head or not really? Is it just you should just go listen to more David Bowie? His
0: the follow up album, uh, "Aladdin Sane, yeah, was also very cool. It's very similar. Okay, um, it's still kind of the same period, honestly. And I know a lot of music purists don't like this. You know what I love? It's a good greatest hits album. Okay, get you a Bowie's greatest hits album. Yeah, and a you'll probably hear a number of songs. You're like, holy shit, this is him. Sure, because I mean. One, it spans. Uh, have you ever heard the song Golden Years?
1: Maybe. It doesn't sound familiar. Like, the name doesn't sound familiar, but, but maybe. Uh, did
0: you ever see A uh, Knight's Tale? Mm-hmm. I think with Heath Ledger where they do the, they do, like, a weird song in that. Like, when they're that dancing? That feels out of place.
1: Yeah. When the is, song it, they
0: were doing is Golden Years. Okay. That's a Bowie song.
1: Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, so that's when they're dancing and it starts out very medieval And then halfway through the dance, it gets modern.
0: He does a song called Let's Dance, which I think is incredible. 80s Bowie is, it's 80s. (laughs) It's very 80s. Yeah. um, But I think still good. (laughs) Okay. So as far as another album, but honestly, I love a good Greatest Hits album. Yeah. And I'm sure there's a Bowie, you get a Bowie Greatest Hits album. Okay. You'll you'll get down and it'll span a bunch of different genres. You'll be like, what the fuck?
1: (laughs) Maybe I'll have to check that out. All right. Okay. Uh, seven out of
0: ten androgynous uh, bisexual alien rock stars. Yep.
1: Seven out of ten. Those. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what did you guys think of David Bowie? Have I mean, you know, am I the only person in the world who doesn't like just love Ziggy Stardust? Maybe I am. Um, you should call us, <clears throat> email us, write us, find us on uh, Snapchat. We're not on Snapchat. Find us on Instagram. You can't call
0: us. You can't find us on Snapchat. You know what?
1: (laughs) Where can you get a hold of us, (laughs) Thor?
0: Well, you can follow us at Get Wrecked Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Or you can email us directly. Give us a recommendation. Let us know what you think. I'll read it on the show. We're begging we're begging you for a little interaction we're lonely um, <laughs> you can do that at getrectpod at gmail.com that's g-i-t-r-e-c-d-p-o-d at gmail.com
1: yeah so uh i am i'm looking at you you know who you are hanging out there in dallas texas i see you i see you on the map you're listening give us a ring don't we don't have a phone? I don't know why I keep saying that. Uh, send <laughs> you us know a message. One eight hundred. Get wrecked.
0: I'm sure this that'll get you somewhere. And then go on over to your favorite website and use promo code get wrecked.
1: Yep. Okay. Um, <laughs> now that that's done, <laughs> Thor. <laughs> Thor. Uh, we're gonna get into something kind of fun next week. Yeah, we're not doing any recommendations. Yeah, it's kind of wild.
0: So we are. Gonna have our buddy Dan Barton back, again, for the Legend of Vox
1: Machina season two. Season two. It's the very first time that we've ever done a sequel on this show. I think.
0: Yeah, I think um, it is a sequel. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So we're gonna be discussing uh, Vox Machina season two. We're bringing on our lore expert for all things Critical Role. I'm excited for this one. It's on Amazon Prime. If you guys haven't seen season one, you should you should get on that because season one was real good. Uh, And then you should just keep on watching into season two so that when you come back, you can listen and follow along. So next week, Vox Machina season two, we'll see you there. But uh, as always, folks, until next time. Nope.
0: (laughs) I'm sorry. Yeah, I missed my cue. That's okay. You're as always. Till then, folks, as always. Until next time. Wait, I know. So now you said it, to, so just say, as oh, always.
1: Just keep all this in. Until next time, folks.
0: no as always.
1: As always, folks.
0: I'm not leaving it all.
1: <laughs> as always. Till next time, you get wrecked stay right oh man we got it that took like seven <laughs> takes take me home the east <laughs> honest <laughs>